Hey guys, hey everyone, um, welcome to this week's episode of Freedom Fanatics. This week I'm obviously joined by our, our team, um, Alex and Diego, um, and unfortunately we don't have Bali here this week, um, but we're going to pull through and we're going to steer ahead. Um, so yeah, first up, um, we're going to be discussing um, a recent incident that um, occurred in our 2021 elections. Um, which was allegations of fraud, actually. And this is an article out of um, The Witness, and it's titled, KZN Teacher Convicted for Voting 24 Times During the 2021 Municipal Elections. Um, that, I, don't, I wonder which political party she voted for 24 times, 24 times, because clearly this person loved that political party a lot. Um, having to stand in the lines, um, that's a real dedication. I don't know about you guys. Um, but I have to say on a serious note, though, it is unfortunate that this um, took place. And um, I saw that there was a recent, uh, another situation where, the, where there was election fraud that took place and in South Africa. And, the, and the actually, even though they're convicting the individuals who did it, the votes still stand, which is a really strange scenario that I think we find ourselves in. Um, but I hope that it's obviously corrected and so forth. But yeah, nonetheless, Alex, what do you think about the election fraud happening in our country, especially as South Africa's elections become more and more important? Yeah, I think what's what's crazy about the story um, is that I think they were a, an uh, electoral officer sort of presiding over the election at that uh, station to make sure that it runs smoothly. And they went in and snuck in before to go and cast these ballots. Um, so it's definitely concerning because I, I guess that's the thing is like, you know, we can we can motivate for people to go in and register to vote and go and hit the ballot boxes. But that's about as far as we can go, like to ensure that um, free and fair elections are super, super, super important. Um, and threats like this should be taken very seriously um, because once we start undermining the whole electoral process, um, you know, then we're in, we're in, in guck for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I agree with you. Um, Diego, also another thing that I saw um, recently was in with regards to this and our electoral um, commission um, who runs basically South Africa's elections um, is that even the EFF and I'm, and I'm like, oof, when I find myself agreeing with the EFF, I'm, I'm sometimes very worried eh, about my political views. <laughs> but in this regard, I definitely agree with them is where they said that they were they, they lodged complaints that um, some of the, I think it's NUMSA, the trade union, um, that some of the trade unions um, people were actually, Satu, Satu, sorry, yeah. were um, being um, placed in um, positions in the electoral commission um, that in high positions um, that the ANC were appointing some of these people. And there were raising concerns about that some of these um, Satu um, individuals might be very favorable and might not be as independent as we think they should be. Do you think that's a cause of concern or is the, or is the EFFs making a noise in this, in this regard? Well, I think it's a cause of concern. Uh, mm. You know, I contested in local government elections last year, 2021, the very time that this story happened. And the presiding office at our station was seen at an ANC office, at the local regional ANC office, about three days before the elections. 
it's a general problem that we have in the country, right? So schools happen to be where a lot of people in the country vote normally. And so that results in presiding officers, teachers and principals, a lot of times being made the presiding officers at those stations. A lot of these teachers and principals, of course, belong to SATU, the teachers union that, that, that sleeps in the same bed as the African National Congress. And a lot of times, yeah, they do try to come with these tactics of trying to steal votes, of trying to put in fake votes, such as this one's 24 votes. But luckily, there are mechanisms, right? Before an election, on an election day, before an election, for example, all political parties are allowed to enter into the voting area, open all boxes, voting boxes, and check if there's anything in the boxes. And I would imagine that that's exactly what happened in this instance, whereby mm. uh, actually I've read that it's exactly what happened. Before the elections, political parties went to check the boxes, and that's how the, 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 the ballots were spotted. So we do have that in place. Uh, I wouldn't... Some people, the EFF argues that perhaps such members and teachers should no longer be allowed to, 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 to preside over elections. But I think the danger with that is that anyone can do it. I mean, you could, you could, you could have that someone who's not affiliated to a trade union, who supports a, a particular political party, who's willing to do it for that party. I think the, really the sustainable solution to this is just really remaining with these mechanisms that already exist and ensuring that they are properly, properly implemented. So we, we, we don't have a situation whereby uh, votes are, are, are thrown into the box illegally. Mm. Sean, if I can just add, I think the one thing that is important that people can do is, um, as far as I understand, Tioko, you can correct me, but political parties can have representatives at ballot at polling stations on the election day to oversee what's what's happening. Um, and so, if you identify with a particular party, um, you know, you can ask your local councillor to ensure that um, there is oversight at the at the polling stations. Um, so if you want to be a proactive citizen and, and democracy is something that you think is important and, you know, um, that, uh, you know, ballot boxes don't get played around with, then this is a thing that you can request. Um, and it won't necessarily happen, but um, it, if, you know, if you don't say anything, it definitely won't happen. So, um, you know, it, it, you know, getting to the ballot box is one thing um, be, in terms of being an active citizen, um, but ensuring accountability on the day is also really important. Um, and I think also we need to consider this in the face of um, of severe budget cuts to the IEC's mandate to the to the IEC. So they also can't necessarily fulfill their mandate to their fullest potential. Um, and the thing is, obviously, when the country has less money to spend, a, a, you know, funding to an institute like uh, the Electoral Commission is going to happen, um, unfortunately. Um, and so this is like this whole spiraling issue of an economy that's really yeah. struggling to grow. Um, but yeah, I think people can and should try and ensure accountability uh, where they can, but it ca can be local. Do it at your local level um, with your ward councillor um, or other civil society actors in your region, for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a very practical way, I think, that we definitely should be getting involved in, um, in our communities, yes. because I mean, yeah, sorry. If I, may, if I may just add to what Alex has said, uh, one could actually as well apply to be a volunteer on, mm. on, on behalf yeah. of the IEC. 
you could if you want to be a presiding officer they do open those applications you can apply to be a presiding officer you can apply to be an assistant to the presiding officer at the station you can apply through a political party to do the oversight work as alex has mentioned on behalf of the political party or if there are any individual candidates who are not necessarily aligned with any party you are contesting as as individuals independent candidates you can on their behalf do the oversight work as well so yeah alex is 100 correct on that one yeah yeah no for sure and i'm even thinking about the fact that they do really need resources whether it's funds or manpower um to actually be involved because i know that even when i remember when i, I was voting um in our past elections there was a bit of delay um with our, our ability to actually cast our votes because there was mm. not enough um, officials that showed up or were available to actually, you know, do the oversight and be there to ensure that, you know, nothing irregular is taking place. So, yeah, definitely, it's, we, we, we are, I mean, we are still young. We, have, we still have fresh blood in our veins. We have more than enough energy to step up where necessary. You, you know, it's just, just to close off, Sholin, I think one thing is, like, you know, we get a lot of public holidays in South Africa. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people sort of bemoan the fact that, you know, oh, you know, especially like with Heritage Day, they're like, oh, no, but it's, you know, people have like reclaimed it as Bride Day and like not recognizing it for what it is, even though I don't think a lot of people know why it was proclaimed in the first place. Um, but, you know, the usually, oh, elections are always held on a Wednesday, if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, during the week, you get, it's a day off. Um, most people get, you should be granted the day off work. If you want to, it, it is literally like if you want to actively participate on a, on a public holiday, you know, like, you know, we can celebrate something like Freedom Day in theory, or you can practice it by actually just, you know, practice what you preach. Like, it's not, it's not a difficult thing to do. It's one day a year. Um, and, you know, it, it's, you don't have to outsource these things to people. If you think you've got what it takes, step up and, and, and take the deed. Yeah. yeah, brilliantly said, Alex. Could not have said that any better. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely, guys. Um, but next up, um, we're going to be discussing, speaking of heritage, um, we're going to be discussing something um, that is very important happening in South Africa's um, education system. Um, and that is um, the proposal or changes coming, um, which are um, four new language options are coming to South Africa's schools in South Africa, um, which has been, um, you know, proposed by our education, um, our education, basic education department. Um, and some of the um, languages that um, um, Auntie Angie um, Muchecha um, has uh, proposed and confirmed actually is that um, several second additional languages um, are going to be added to the country school curriculum. And some of these additional languages are um, Koi, um, San, and even um, the South African um, sign language um, will also be added. Um, and I definitely think that this is an important step um, in the right direction. I don't think it's a silver bullet um, at all, but I think it is, you know, crucial to for people to actually start learning um, edu be, being educated in their, in their mother tongue. Um, because I do think that it's much easier for people to um, actually... Um, you know, learning the mother tongue, then having to learn a completely new language um, that they might be foreign because 
um, a huge misconception is that, you know, all South Africans now to speak English or Afrikaans, which are the dominant languages being taught in our schools. Um, that is a rather mis misconception. Um, whereas we know that many people are Zulu speakers, are Sutu speakers, and and are and their own languages are Kosa. But Diego, what do you think about these proposed changes happening? Well, I think it's a it's a move in in the right direction. Uh, it's a move that must be accepted and should be welcomed. But I do think that the move comes a bit too late. But yeah, we 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 we. We must nonetheless acknowledge that it's a move in the right direction. You know, I in December I spent my December with at my Govella's place. My Govella is, is is my spiritual trainer. I, I happen to be a traditional healer, as I've explained. I spent December and part of January that side. And in January, as the kids were going to school. Them coming back to school with homework and my Gobella not being able to assist them, that frustrated me because it, 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 it told me then that chances of these kids making it are very slim if they have no one at home who is able to assist. And at the center of my Gobella not being able to assist the kids was the issue of her not understanding English, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but as well, there's the issue of Kids being taught in your townships, in your rural areas. I went to a township primary school before relocating to a former model C school, right? In the township, languages, uh, things such as English, I was taught English in Sepedi. I know it's a strange thing, but honestly, I was taught English in Sepedi. Then when it came exam time, I had to write the exam papers completely in English. And a lot of times that 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 dribbled me. But luckily for us, at, at the public school I went to, and the, because it was in the Wahomu, and a lot of people who stay that side are fairly educated. It's a middle class and everything. Luckily for me, I had my family to assist me with homeworks and stuff, to assist me with preparing for exams and stuff. But in rural areas such as Begasford. A lot of people that side are not educated. A lot of people that side cannot speak English. A lot of people that side cannot speak Afrikaans. So it's not shocking at all that you have so many kids that side dropping out of the education system. Their parents not caring at all. It doesn't even hurt the parents because it's, 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 it's something that they themselves don't understand thoroughly uh, the importance of it because they, 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 they don't fully grasp uh, the whole concept of an education system a, a, a formal education system because they've never been through it, because they've never been able to understand it in that it's not shutting their language. So I think it is a, a move in the right direction. Sorry, my thoughts are all over on this one, but it, it no. certainly is a move in the right direction. No, Dave, we're following Dave, you know, you don't need to worry about that. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Even like my home language is, is Afrikaans as well. And when I came to school, I was like, in order for me to get into university, I need to change media during um the on high school i had to change to english and actually start you know um learning going into an english class and start learning my work in english because i wanted to be accepted eventually into university because i thought it would make the university experience much more easier um if i was way more well spoken in english and that's a ex common experience yeah. for many people that you just highlighted yeah. the vehicle and mm -hmm. alex um, if i can come to you i just had to pull up this um this this small chart. Um, I hope that it's going to make sense. Um, which actually indicates 
um, South Africa's um, language, um, our South Africa's language are um, divided up in. And mm. South Africa's our population is about, what, 60 million people. And Zulu um, and Kosa are actually our, our most prominent languages, which is only then followed by Afrikaans and only then followed by English. Mm. And yet those are the dominant um, languages in our education system, unfortunately. Um, you know, but even though, because that is where the world is moving, the more globalized we come, I feel like, you know, English is obviously a globalized language is the language mm. um, of the world. It's prominent mm. like that. Um, but what are your, what are your thoughts, you know, speaking to people in the mother tongues and yeah, people actually being able to be educated in those languages? Mm. No, it, it's so important. And I think like I've been, I've been trying to learn a, a, a European language um, in the last few, yeah. this year. And it's, it's difficult. It's really, really hard. And it, yeah, like I've, I've been having some conversations and it's, it's so important. Like, you know, when you, when you visit a place like Europe, you know, someone will speak, you'll get an Italian who, um, who can speak like pidgin English, like basic English, but enough to have conversations, to be able to work in the workplace. You know, like Germans learn English as a second language from when they're in grade one, obviously instructed in German. Um, but the, I think the, the thing for me is that there is a way to shape curricula in a way that uses African languages as a language of instruction and teaches English as a viable second language. Um, you know, I think, I think maybe for Afrikaans curricula are maybe better established um, you know, for whatever reason, historical reasons, but as taught as an English language makes it a much more viable prospect for a lot of people that can then go on and use it as a business language in the country and across the world. Um, but I think there's, there's just not enough. That's, there's just a mess. As Tioko said earlier, there's just such a massive opportunity that's been missed for the current generation of, of schoolgoers or those who have graduated um, to be just, because it's, it says it's just so warped, like the, the whole way that the curriculum is structured is so bizarre. Like when I was at school, I, you know, we did Afrikaans and Zulu until grade seven. And then when you get to grade eight, they say, well, cool, you can take Zulu until grade nine, but you should, unless you are a first language speaker, you should not take it past grade 10. So it's like, well, what's the point? Like, you know, then the curriculum isn't shaped enough as a second language curriculum. They're two different things. So, I, and the thing is, like, I, I appreciate where, the, where um, Minister Mojak is going with this. Like, it is a step in the right direction, but I feel like the government always just tries too much. Let's just start with the basics. How do we get a proper curriculum in Sisutu, in Siperi, in Isikosa, in Zulu for language speakers? I think no one, no one is opposed to people learning in their home language and learning English as a second language you can function very well in a society with English as a second language. And especially in yeah. South Africa where um, obviously it's dom it's dominant in a business sense, um, yes. but it's just, it's, something's wrong. And then also the second language, like for, for my experience as well, it's like, well, if I, even if I wanted to, you know, progress in Isikos or Zulu, it's like, it's almost impossible um, as a non-native uh, speaker. Yeah. So they, they just need to, things just need to be thought about a little bit more yeah, if they're no, really serious, you know? Yes, Alex, that's actually a very good point that you're raising because I'm like, you know what, um, 
<laughs> this ANC government, they, 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 they sometimes know just how to fail. And that's also something that we should be um, concerned about is that, yeah, the, uh, the intention once again is good. And it, yeah, like that is, a, that is a nice intention to have. But the execution of this might just do more harm than good. Um, and that's why we shouldn't, you know, just like accept it, but we should also, you know, be able to be critical about it and be also like, if you guys are going to do this, let's do it right with a proper curriculum and not fail these students who choose to do it in their um, home language or the language that they have chosen. So, yeah, that's definitely something we'll be looking yeah. forward to. Yeah, go for it. Well, absolutely. I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think, I think... Mm -hmm. It's important for, for, for the government to understand what education is at the end of the day and, and, and what the, the essence of education is. I mean, at the end of the day, the essence of education is at the heart of education is knowledge and skills development. So you, you really want to give people the knowledge, you want to give them the right skills. Now, whether you give them that, 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 that knowledge and skills in English, Africans, Zulu yeah. or not, it, 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 well, well, it does assist in, in, in that someone who speaks a particular language then manages to help them. But if, 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 if you don't fix the curriculum in and of itself and make sure mm -hmm. that it's a curriculum mm -hmm. of quality, the content that you are teaching is of quality, even if you teach that content in Sepedi, if you teach it in Zulu, yeah. whatever not, it's not going to help us at all. So it is a, a move in the right direction. But of course, the quality of our education, the quality of our content must still be improved. I, I absolutely agree with you on that one. Yeah, it's almost like just before we end off and head off the burning question, it's the similar thing, Diego, when it happens when they um, decide to change the um, the names of, of some of South African cities to, you know, some indigenous languages. I'm like, that's a good initiative. That sounds nice. Mm. But if the city still remains trash, what's the point of changing the name? You know what I mean? It doesn't really help if you do not get the basics right first. Um, Sorry, yeah. can, can I just add one last thing about the, the language thing? It's the one thing that is so important that is overlooked. And we, we obviously are very up to date with the state of race relations. They, in South Africa, they're very good, whatever. But I think this language issue is, would go so far to enhancing uh, civil unity and uh, cultural understanding. Because I think that for a lot of people, um, that's just missed. Uh, you know, if you don't grow up maybe in rural areas where you kind of learn languages naturally through interacting, I think there's such a massive opportunity for social cohesion if we can understand each other a lot better. I think it's, it's, it's really like, it's bread and butter stuff, this. Um, but it would go. I think it would just go such a long way, um, in uh, yeah, just in in helping this country move forward. So yes, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. That's what that that's what we build. Um, um, social cohesion, not a massive um, South African hmm. flag. Um, in that almost no ninety percent of South African vote ever be able to see. So yeah, absolutely, guys. Thank you um, for your guys' opinions and voicing some of your concerns about the topics we discussed today. And to our viewers, please check us out on our social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Badger of Liberty. There you can find us. And right now, we're going to move quick and fast to uh, burning questions, um, which Alex will be hosting for us. Um, so yeah, exciting to hear what we're going to be discussing over there. So see you guys now.
Alrighty, guys, welcome to this uh, this week's edition of Burning Questions. This is not in Bali, but I'll try my best to to pick uh, pick up where she left off. Uh, guys, this week is going to be a very quick fire episode, um, but I'm, I'm I'm quite excited about the the, the content that that we're bringing to you because it's a little tangential to what we usually do, um, just in terms of the person that is featured. Uh, and this week, yeah. the quote is from uh, Mac G. Uh, MacGyver Mukwevo, who is a broadcaster and podcaster, uh, former uh, radio DJ from Metro FM, South Africa's biggest radio station in the country. Uh, I think English language station, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but anyway, he also is on a podcast called uh, Podcast and Chill. Um, and I was listening to it last weekend, and he got he caught some flack um, because he like essentially swore at the youth. Um, leading up to youth, they're saying like "screw them." We said it in much more hectic terms than that, but but he. So then, when he was trying to explain like what he was saying, he was saying that you know, because um, he got a lot of flack from his listeners. He was saying like, "No, guys, look, this is nice. What I meant, what I meant is, you guys need to do stuff for yourself." Um, and he is quoted as saying, "I don't believe we should look to the government to solve our issues. I think we should, as young people, get together and work together." So very strong sentiment. I think resonates with a lot of us. Tioko, I just want to get your perspective off the bad thoughts before we jump into the into the comments. Well, first and foremost, I must say that I love McGee quite a lot. I love the fact that he speaks he speaks his mind whenever, mm. all the time, whether you're in agreement with him or not. He doesn't care. And I think that's that's how things should really be. But anyway, regarding the coding and in and of itself, I entirely agree with him. I would only add that I think that we should work collectively as a society, all of us, young people, but including the old people. I think it's useful mm -hmm. sometimes to work together with old people. They have the experience and all of that. But more than anything, the future belongs to all of us together, right? The young, the old. Uh, there is no guarantee, for example, mm. I'm a young person, but I might wake up not around tomorrow, whereas someone who's 50 today might wake up still around in the 23 years from, from today. So there is a need for us to, as a society, come together and, and, and find solutions to the problems we have. We don't even have to come together, actually, come to think about it. As individuals <laughs> in your own individual uh, space, if there's an issue and it's something that you can solve, don't wait for government. Solve that issue mm. yourself. But I agree, young people should should should, should not wait on government any longer. Mm. No, for sure. Um, so, guys, the comments, it's, you know, this is one of those those episodes where I struggle to disagree with a lot of the, the comments that we that we see. Um, for example, so I'm just going to run through them. But Rosalie Graham, um, yeah, she comes in with with some some fire. Uh, lots of issues she tackles here, is where she says this is a noble idea. However, the government blocks all and blocks any and all attempts at self upliftment. This is done by red tape, infighting at municipalities, and general theft of funds, contract deployment, and lack of infrastructure. Load shedding is harmful to young businesses. Government must step down and let those who are government step up. Otherwise. We are all lost. I think um, potentially there, Sholin, maybe government not step down, but step uh, down. certainly people could get around to, to making government more accountable. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, um, our youth have, we face a lot. Um, I mean, whether it's mass unemployment, you know, lack of skills, uh, education system that's failing us. 
um, we definitely need to step up and, you know, take the reins instead of just being on the sidelines. Um, I do think that, as Diego mentioned, yes, um, you know, some of the older generation does have a lot of wisdom and things like that that they definitely should be um, passing on and leaving that type of um, legacy for us. However, some of our leaders are rather leaving a very undesirable legacy um, while currently in government. And that is definitely still going to be impacting us for generations. And something I would definitely say is that we might be like, you're not all this old topies um, in government. Like, yeah, these people are messing things up. But one thing I have to tell you is that, yeah, they are, they might be old and they are sometimes getting missing the mark. But they won't be there forever. And eventually, they're going to be moving on and going into retirement and no longer being here with us. And then we're going to have to be the ones to take action. And I have to step up into roles in government, in our communities, as leaders, in business. And then we can no longer be pointing the finger, but the responsibility will be up to us. So we might as well step up now already and, you know what, take up the reins. Yeah, 100%. Guys, we, we are running out of time, but I'm going to be a bit generous here with the extra two minutes, which I want to give this to you, Tiago. This co- this uh, comment by, by Kervin D, where um, they ask, then what do we have a government for? Uh, well, we maybe fill us have, in there. Sure, we have a government for ensuring that citizens are safe, for ensuring that contracts between private individuals and contracts between the government and the people, the state and the people are enforced to ensure that a good quality education is provided in the public sector, particularly for those who cannot afford education provided by the private sector, mm. to ensure that health, good health care, a good health care system is, 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 is created for those who cannot afford a private health care system. But really, those are the main things, right? Mm. Safety, uh, education, and the health. For me, those are the, 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 the central things that government should be there for. But of course, there are other things as well, ensuring that illegal substances don't get into the country and stuff of that nature. So it's mostly around the law, around health and around education. Everything else, they should stay as far away as possible from, except when they do come to collect taxes. But the taxes should be very low because we shouldn't be taking care a few a few people in the country shouldn't be taking care of the majority of people instead Mm. majority of people should be taking care of a few people who cannot provide for themselves someone who has hands who has feet who can wake up every day speak a lot of things and 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 do a whole lot of things that person can definitely go to work it's it's not my responsibility as dear to be taking care of someone like that who is fully able to take care of themselves Government Beautiful. should take care of those who cannot take care of themselves and those other few things, sure. Absolutely. Um, as Melitra um, Becky says in one of our quote cards um, that performed really well is that an economy only works when every able-bodied person um, is participating and working in that economy. Absolutely. And that's something we should definitely be striving towards. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Our taxes should be going towards the few things we agreed upon as a country, few service, the public service delivery. Then the rest of these people who we are currently giving grants and everything, honestly speaking. But one last point, the, the, the child grants as well. It's a discussion for another day. But things such as this child grant, uh, we can't. Someone going and having 11 kids, and I kid you not, there's one such person in Vegasford that I know who has 11 kids 
and that money must come out of my salary. That's nonsense. Mm. It, it must come to an end. Definitely a conversation for another day, but we'll have to leave it there. Unfortunately, guys, remember to follow us at Badger of Liberty. Find us on your favorite social media platform, be it Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, or Instagram. Guys, thank you so much for your thoughts today. In Nimbali's absence, I bid you adieu, and we'll check you guys next week on Burning Questions and Freedom Fanatics. Have a good one.